This is Verve, the style podcast, your only source for everything fashion on the internet. We're your hosts. I'm Katie Gassman. And I'm Anna Grace Averett. With a combined 10 years of experience in e-commerce fashion, from buying and styling to visual merchandising and content creation, Katie and I know firsthand how the internet is reshaping the fashion industry. We sit down with your favorite creators and the next wave of innovators to discuss how they're pushing fashion forward and break down five of their favorite fits. On our solo episodes, we get into the latest fashion news, runway shows, internet trends, pop culture. It's basically like going to happy hour with your fashion besties. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode and follow along on TikTok and Instagram to see what we're wearing. I'm at Katie Gassman, two S's, two N's. And I'm at Anna Grace Averett. That's A-V as in Valentino, E-R-E-T-T. So sit back with your mandatory three beverages and enjoy the show. Emily, I was binging your podcast earlier, and because you have Aww. so many amazing interviews, I feel like I didn't get to know you that well. At one point, I heard that you were from Iowa, and that was just like buried in the middle of an episode. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from? Just give us the spiel. Totally. I know. That's always the one that like surprises people. Like, what? Um, so yeah, I am the host and creator of Free Love Podcast, and I am based in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. You've probably never heard of it, but if you have heard of it, hey. Yeah. Um, so I, fun story. I <laughs> No way you've heard of it. I've been even better. I've been. So <laughs> I'm originally from Illinois, and one of my very best friends in the whole world lives in Cedar Rapids. So um Currently? Currently, yeah. So if you guys oh want to be God. friends, um, that would be great. She's always looking for new Hook connections. Uh, Send her down to see me at the vintage shop. You know, next time you come to visit, 100%. we'll take you around. I, we come and stay at her house. So yeah, that, we'll we'll link you two up. Uh, not to like cut you off, but you were anticipating <laughs> no funny. one knowing Cedar Rapids, but yeah. here we are. You surprised me. Um, so, you know, so you're a former Midwesterner too, or actually I don't know where you're currently based, but um, I grew up in St. Louis. Um, so grew up in St. Louis, came to Iowa to go to this tiny little um, liberal arts college out here because um, my degree is in writing. And um, so came here to go to school, met my now husband, who's a, from a small town very near here, and we ended up settling down here in Iowa. Um, I lived in New York in my early 20s, so got to kind of go out and do the fun thing there. I get to go there for work all the time now with fashion stuff, so that's always really enjoyable. Um, But I'm just kind of in a lucky position that writing has become a career that can be done anywhere. Like, it's weird to think now that it didn't used to be that way. Like, even when I first got out of school... I was like, how is it going to be possible for me to work in this industry and writing, podcasting, like freelancing, um, even the fashion advocacy work that I do that we might talk about later on in the show. Um, It's it's all done remotely from anywhere. And I think we've all just kind of gotten used to that now. So, yeah, I do that. Um, Got a great little community here. Um, Some of my very dear friends own one of Cedar Rapids' best vintage shop. And occasionally I'm their shop girl in there slinging vintage with them. And basically, like, my story is just, like, all things vintage and secondhand fashion. I tell people that I'm basically, like, a fashion journalist, but I only cover vintage and secondhand. And so I write, I do the podcast, I create content about it, and that's my jam. 
Katie, I didn't know if you wanted to throw out the fact that you're also from around I didn't want to seem like a creep. <laughs> no, so <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm also. Like Alton or? Um, Collinsville, where? yeah. So okay. I would. Um, yeah. I've been to Alton. Is that where you're from? Yeah, that's why. Uh, no, I I'm over on the on the Missouri oh, okay. side in St. Louis, yeah. but I just wasn't sure. You said Illinois, so I was like, you must be right over there across the river. Yeah. Or something. So <laughs> I can relate to being a Midwestern girl who truly loved the fashion industry because I'm sure that you experienced something very similar. That, um, and Anna Grace too is from a like rural area in Maryland, is where we're at now, um, in Baltimore. Yeah. And so there's just a a disregard for fashion as an art form. Um, people don't necessarily take it seriously or um, even understand why we would want to spend our time thinking about it or learning about it or collecting things or um, preserving the past. Like there's so much um, that goes into fashion. Um, it's a true art form and it's so deeply ingrained in culture. So it's worth preserving. Um, so how did you go from, okay, I love fashion and I'm going to be a fashion advocate to, um, or from rather a writing degree? Yeah. So at school, I ended up studying, um, literature and history, like liberal arts, you kind of study a whole bunch of different things, like, you know, an arts college, like a whole bunch of different things under, um, that roof that all are kind of intersecting and I got really into this is going to sound so nerdy but I got really into labor history Mm. my grandma was a union activist so she was this like badass woman mother single mother of six like working nights in a plastics factory raising hell um you know fighting for fair wages and I'd always kind of grown up with her stories about how much like her union job, like how important that was for her to be able to like provide, even though the it was a struggle and obviously like they didn't have a lot of means like for my dad growing up, but um, just how much that played a role in that. And I think about that a lot because like obviously a lot of those same worker protections that like she had and that made, you know, just getting by possible for her at that time, like don't exist for workers today. So I got really passionate about those issues and I started studying labor history. And if you study labor history, it actually takes you to fashion like really quite quickly because like a lot of some of the big labor movements in history um, got started in the in the garment worker industry, you know, even just like going back um to like the late 1800s, the 1900s here in the United States, like the International Ladies Garment Workers Union. If you're a vintage lover out there and you've seen those ILGWU tags in your vintage like made in America clothing, um, you know, those were union made garments that were made here in the U.S. And yeah, so I just like fell very deeply into that history and like it tied so much with my interest in like vintage and, you know, in history history. And I started like pursuing everything that I could that was related to that. And I think when you like also think about like labor history and loving vintage, like it's inevitable that you're going to have this moment, which I did have of like, oh my God, the fashion industry, the way it is today is broken in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I had this realization, um, you know, about the way that fashion is produced today and the way that workers are treated um, as I was getting out of school and all these things were kind of like colliding for me. 
And so I just like dove very deeply into this advocacy space and wanted to figure out like how I could help and how I could be a part of it. And around the same time, I launched the podcast because it's weird to think about now, but all those years back, like sustainable fashion was something that people were like starting to talk about, but it was like very niche and it was very like kind of high-end brands, beige, neutral, like sort of thing. Like there wasn't like the um, the like vintage, quirky, arty person, like thrift shopping mm-hmm. that is like so a part of the space now, like just just a, a major part of the space. It was like even more niche to this niche space. And so like I started my podcast because I was like, I'm passionate about these issues. I've had my awakening about fast fashion and about labor rights. But like the reason that I was drawn to fashion and that I love fashion is like vintage and thrift shopping and all these things and no one around me is doing that. And so that's why I wanted to start the podcast. And a podcast made a lot of sense also to like not being located in the area where like a lot of people who are into the subject are like I could interview people from all around the world about this stuff. And so, yeah, I've been doing that since 2018. Um, It's been an incredible ride. And like podcasting world I feel like 2018 I was still in college I remember listening to Serial for the first time that was like my introduction to podcasts because I would drive from Maryland to South Carolina where I went to school eight hours in a car by myself and I needed a way to pass the time and you can only listen to so much music until you get sick of it and I'm a big music lover so that's a lot for me to say (laughs) um what made you like when did you discover podcasts and how are you like I can do this because even if I listen to a podcast like we didn't start until 2021 And then we were like, oh, wait, we could totally do this. But I feel like you were very early on that game. My podcast, I I don't feel like this is generally how I am, but it was like one thing in my life that I was just like, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it tomorrow. Like I just had one of those, like you'll hear entrepreneurs talk about this, like, well, I just dove right in and like that's not really me, but for the podcast, it kind of was like, I started listening, like I said, like I was really into these topics. So I was listening to like the, the couple of sustainable fashion podcasts that were out at the time, which I love. Um, Conscious Chatter is one, Um, you know, Kestrel Drinkins is, you know, a great friend and like fellow podcast pal over the years. Um, Claire Prest as Wardrobe Crisis, you know, these great shows about sustainable fashion and I was really into it and I was like I could make this about the thing I love and I remember so my husband and I were going on like um we were going backpacking in Europe for a little bit so we were like doing the ride the trains you know that whole like romantic <laughs> venture um and so we were like doing that and I was sitting like with my notebook on the train and kind of writing about what I would envision the podcast to to look like and I was like okay when I get home if I can get eight people to come on the show then I'll do it. And I like bought the microphone the next day and like started reaching out to people that I had just like looked up to within the vintage space or like they were influencers online. And I was just like, let's chat about the thing that you love and I love and make the show. And, you know, uh, like I won't go back and listen to my earliest episodes now. I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Yeah, I am really yeah, I am really glad that like I did just do it because like you have to start and like you're going to be bad at the beginning no matter when you start, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm totally. glad that I did it and I'm glad I did it then because the space 
not just podcasting, but also like secondhand has absolutely boomed Mm -hmm. in that time period. And so I'm like, I am really glad that I did just do it so that I like can say like I was the first, you know, so I have that kind of in my pocket Um, feels really good. Just a selfish question. Since we're on the newbie side of podcasters, we're about to celebrate our two years next month. Yeah. Um, but you've been doing this for five years now. So, what are some of the like biggest things that you've learned, or maybe like one of your favorite experiences that just would have never happened if you hadn't like take the leap and just started? That's a great question. I think it's just like the people that you get to meet. Like for me, so I do an interview show, and so like. I have made incredible friends from talking to people on my podcast. I've like chatted with people all around the world and then like gone and got to like meet up with them in person, which is just an incredible feeling, especially since. So like I started late fall 2018, did the show for all of 2019. And then it's like, bam, we're in the pandemic, Mm -hmm. really, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. So like I spent the great bulk of the time doing the show like here in my bedroom in Iowa you know and that was my life like my connection to other people who loved the thing that I loved and now I've gotten to go and meet some of them like go to vintage markets where they're selling and get to see their stuff in person and like write about it and I just I love that do you have frequent repeat guests or um, have anybody that really stood out to you that is a great friend that you want to give a quick shout out to? Oh, that's such a good question. So I don't have um, repeat guests, although I will say um, I've gotten to do a lot of really cool collaborations with um, the folks at Manhattan Vintage in New York. So I got to have um, the founder of that, well, not the founder, but the current owner of that show, Amy Abrams, on my podcast. And then I went out to New York to cover the Manhattan Vintage show. I got to write a really cool piece about that for Refinery29 last season. Um, That was really exciting. And through that show, I've met some really incredible people. So my dear friends, Maria and Paige um, from Deals on Designers, they've been done at that show. Um, Michelle um, Michelle Allegra, Allegra Bintique deals at that show. And they've just like connected me. A lot of like the folks who are part of that show or in that um, orbit, like have connected to me to a lot of other incredible vintage sellers. And I love that about the vintage community when people are like, you need to, you need to interview my friend. Like, I want you to feature my friend, you know, and like give those up, you know, give opportunities to like their other people in their space. Because like, I truly feel that in vintage, like we're not competitors, we're collaborators because we're on a mission to like turn everybody into vintage lovers. And like, we have to all do that together. Mm -hmm. And so it's just been really cool to see like, yeah, that group of people, like they're constantly like, making introductions for me and like giving getting opportunities for their friends and I think that's really sweet I was just listening to that episode actually and I love the way that you were doing like kind of infield reporting and talk talking to these different dealers I was a little surprised the amount of people that were just talking about really really old vintage because in my head I'm like vintage is like 70s 80s 90s now we can like kind of group y2k in there but the most people there were talking about you know it feels like the 30s and 40s or maybe even earlier are really popular 
what is your favorite vintage time period like personal personal style wise what are you yeah. going to oh my god they have everything at that at, at Manhattan Vintage like it I truly describe it as being Disney World because it's like you just go and you see stuff you've never seen before like even as a vintage lover myself like it's not every day you walk in and see like a whole rack of 1930s stuff like that's a crazy experience for me but my favorite is definitely the 70s I'm a 70s girl through and through I love like um really like all aspects of 70s style like I like kind of western style bohemian style I like uh, you can't really see what I'm wearing today but like almost like um tweed professor like bookish 70s professor style um that's definitely my favorite era and you also see like um you, you know, you'll see nods of the 70s and like the 90s. So I'll definitely get some like 90s does 70s pieces mm-hmm. myself. But those are my those are my favorite. And then where are some of your favorite places to shop? Where are you sourcing from? Ooh, OK. So, I mean, the best places to to shop vintage are in the Midwest, like for sure. I heard because... someone say that on there. She was like, I go to all these places that you would not expect to find cool things. I think people want to think like California, New York, or like Miami, but it's the places that no one goes where people have like the best stuff. Exactly. Like I love to go vintage shopping when I'm in New York. I love it. And but like it may, it's made me so laugh because like the last time I was out there, I like posted a TikTok video about like some of the vintage shops that I love and everybody was like commenting about prices, which is like a whole nother. This is like a whole nother thing. But it's like me personally, I don't go to New York to thrift because they're to thrift, you know, to find a deal because there is literally no way I'm ever going to find a bargain that's better than the bargain that I'm going to find here in Iowa. Like I go to New York to like find one incredibly special piece that I will never see again in my entire life and like spend more money than I should on it you know um but uh but for me like yeah it's like the midwestern cities it's the unexpected places um like I said my my great friends own found and form vintage here in Cedar Rapids Iowa it's incredible um I love to go to Minneapolis. They have a really cool um, vintage scene here in the Midwest. Um, They do a monthly market called the Minneapolis Vintage Market. And I've gone up and covered some of those markets and just like met some incredible people. And I think because – I think a lot of cities where they have – like a thriving market scene, like Minneapolis has this, Um, Kalamazoo, Michigan is another one that has it, where there's like regular like events and community being built around vintage, then it's like a bunch of like brick and mortar shops end up opening because there's like a ecosystem there for it. And that's happened in Minneapolis and it's been really cool to see. Um, But I just love like a road trip, stopping in at a place. I'm, um, I don't know if anybody listening like has any recommendations because I'm going to Portland for the first time next month. And so I need to like curate my list for Portland because I know that's going to be incredible. So yeah, anywhere I go, like I'm always checking out the best spots. Yeah, I think that there is something very special and unique about the small town thrift. I remember... I've been to, you know, Goodwills in high school and um, other chain type stores, but I remember the first time I ever went to like a true like church charity shop in like the middle of nowhere. Um, It's just like a bunch of stuff that people have collected and 
people that are there, like, especially church charity shops, I feel like yes. have a vibe. And I'm like, how do you all yeah. have the same energy? Honestly, no matter where you go. It's so true. I have like a great church charity shop story, okay, actually. So because it just like perfectly, it's like what these places are. Okay, so I've got good friends who live in Detroit. And so a couple summers ago, I, I was driving up from Iowa to up to Michigan to visit them. And when I was going, I got so many DMs from people being like on your way. Like it's like somewhere between, you know, Michigan and like in who knows where. Yeah. How long even. of a trip is this? Because I have no concept of the Midwest. I have to say. It's like six hours. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. And also, yeah, that's, like, like so- lightweight. Anna Grace has gotten used right. to me being, like, oh, yeah, we're going to drive 15 hours this weekend. Yeah. And everyone who grew up out here is, like, why? Excuse like, me? you could yeah. just fly there. And it's, like, no, you know? So, anyway, continue. So, you got a bunch of DMs. Yes, yeah, so I got all these DMs being, like, as you pass through whatever, I'm going to have to look and see what it is. Like, it's, like, near Michigan City, but it's in, like, uh, they're, like, you have to check out this St. Stanislaus resale shop that's in an, an – it's a four-story secondhand shop in an old church. Okay. Oh and I got – I got all these DMs about it. And, like, it just so happened that, like, I was driving, you know, so I got the DMs, like, after I get up to my friends or whatever. I'm like, holy cow, like, this is a lot of, like, at least, like, four people mentioned the same place. So I was like, I got to check this out. So on the way back, I'm like, we're stopping. So we stop. And it's like, yeah, it's this old church four stories every inch of it packed with secondhand stuff like up in the um like up in the attic is just like all old vintage like wedding dresses they had furniture they had clothes purses they had a whole like area that was like a books room and like one of the church volunteers like that was like their thing and you could tell they loved it like the books room felt like an old library like it was just so cozy and yeah I love like I love a random find like that like send me you know your random road trip recommendations I will go uh-huh. and the people were so sweet you know they like walked me around and like told me the history of like this was you know the old church and blah blah blah, blah, blah and this is what it means to the community mm-hmm. and all our volunteers who come in and work and yeah I just love that kind of stuff yeah the energy is definitely distinct I think it's because there's a certain, um, you know, there's certain things that you just sell and certain things that you donate, but people are willing to just donate almost anything to the church. Like they're just, Mm -hmm. you know, take my whole house. Like, I just want to like, let you guys make money off of this and it's for a good cause and blah, blah, blah. And it aligns with their values. And so they let things go that are like so valuable and old and full of, um, memories. And it's like you said, wedding dresses, like amazing furniture. Like you can find some really good stuff at a church charity store. And especially like older people too, because they don't know what the options to resell these things are. That's just like the way that it would be done, you know, um, or that these things are cool again. Right. Right. Yeah. They're like, no one wants this, you know? And so uh, me, I want this. Yeah. That's the other best one is like when you get somebody is like, hey, a friend, you know, a friend or a friend or something will be like, my grandma's cleaning out. Mm -hmm. What should I do with this stuff? I'm like, let me come over. I'll help grandma clean out. (laughs) You know, those are the other best finds. No, totally. I got the very best. Um, 
she was using it as a TV stand, but it's basically just like an extra long mid-century console that has speak old speakers in it. And it's just absolutely so gorgeous cool. wood and it slides open and it's like a storage cabinet. And no one else in my family was like, oh yeah, let me take the best piece of furniture in your house. <laughs> and I had to call up my dad and I was like, hey, I know I'm literally moving across the country later this year, but can I keep this at your house? Thankfully, he is a lover and appreciator of vintage. So it was an absolutely yes from him. Um, do you have like a super memorable secondhand find that just is your holy grail? Ooh, okay. So I have pieces that I'm very sentimental about, mm. like family pieces yeah. and stuff like that. Um, a piece that I found, my friend hates that she, when I tell this story, but very early on in um, one of my vintage seller friends, uh, like very early on in her vintage selling career, she purchased um, like a collection of vintage designer handbags um, from an estate sale, like a woman who had passed um, and was selling them on. And I got an incredible vintage Gucci bag from her for an absolute steal, like way less than she should ever should have sold it to me. And she like all the time asked me if she can buy it back from me. And it's my pride and joy. And I like never will sell it. Um, so we joke about that all the time. What does it look like? Or do um, you know what the style of the bag is? Yeah, here I can show it to you. Yes, Hold on. even better. Okay, hang on. Just give me a second. Um, I'm gonna say, um, as far as Gucci bag goes, as far as vintage Gucci bags go, they just sent down like the Tom Ford era, like handheld horse bit clutch down their last runway show, mm -hmm. and that's like a vintage bag I've had my eye on, like on resale sites, and I'm always like, I'm kind of drawn to this, but like clutches, when do I need a clutch? And now the resale they're value like so has absolutely sp spiked because Ugh. they're back on the runway. I'm like, fuck, I should have gotten it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the I love the horse fit ones. Yeah. Like that of uh, one of the vintage ones. Like that's on my wish list. I'm a vintage Gucci girl. Like obviously, like I'll never be able to afford any of it. But it's like brown, no, beautiful that's brown gorgeous. suede. It's crossbody. That's really tucked inside. I love that. And that definitely looks like something they've reissued too. I know. I've never seen anything like it come across on a resale site. Um, I have it, like, stuffed, but, like, it's got the fun interior, Beautiful. too. Cute. We love it. We love it. So that was a fun one. Um, I mean, yeah, I have so many. I have these, like, 70s... Um, sunflower like bell-bottom pants that I got at a Goodwill for like 44 cents yeah. years ago and I pull them out every summer and like I can't wait for it to be spring summer to wear them again because they're just so statement and so me yeah. um I love those so much pretty much everything in my closet is like vintage or secondhand so like everything has a story for me yeah. whether it's like oh I got this on this trip or this came from this person or like this came from this vintage seller friend that I love um it's all got a story and when you decide to give up fast fashion your closet just naturally becomes that it does, yeah. I was really lucky in that journey because, like, I know that that can be really challenging for people. I was already, like, super into it before it clicked for me that there was a reason. Like, I loved thrifting as a teenager, definitely, like, before it was 
cool. I loved thrifting and I loved vintage. And then it was like when it clicked for me that there was like a reason for that, I was like, okay, this is easy because this is what I love. And I know that it's not that way for everybody. Um, But it just like I can like gush forever about like the romance of how special clothing is. And I think it's because like every piece in my closet like has a little story about it. What do you do for like basics or active wear rather than those are things you have a tougher time finding secondhand, especially in good condition. Let's say you just want a white t-shirt, right? There's just not a lot out there. Do you opt for sustainable brands instead? Yeah, in some cases, although my other go-to is like if I have, like I love, um, there's a brand Girlfriend Collective that does like workout clothes. Mm -hmm. I love their stuff. I will just go on like Poshmark and type them in and like I think it always surprises people but like you can find stuff that is like literally brand new on resale apps like all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I I get so much of their stuff from there like workout clothes stuff and you can even put in new with tags if that's what you want. Like I'll do searches for name brand stuff that I want. Um even like sneakers, like I, so I grew up in the 90s and Adidas Sambas girl. I played soccer. I literally would wear Adidas Sambas day in, day out um, throughout the entire 90s. And so when they came back into style, I was like, I want a pair, but I'm not going to buy them from Adidas. And so bought them off of a secondhand uh, app, like brand new in the box, you know? So stuff like that. I always just like go to the apps if I want something specific and just like, type it right in and I haven't really found something where I'm like can't find it yet because there's so much stuff in this world there's so much it's all out there there. yeah exactly it is are there any like sustainable fashion initiatives or trends that you're really excited about right now I was also listening to the episode where you were talking about the rent of rack concept which I think was from Finland originally where you could like rent a rack at a store and it's kind of reminding me of what an antique mall here is in the U.S. Mm -hmm. where you have like a booth that you sell things at um, even when you're not at the store right like people can still buy your stuff are there anything similar to that initiative that you're excited about Isn't that so cool? I like after I did that episode, my husband was like, we need to start one of those here. Like that's I love that idea so much. I think it's so fun. Um, Another one that I think is really fun. I actually like uh, spoiler alert. This episode is coming to pre-love podcast very soon. But there is um, an app called uh, Lucky Sweater that they do like community trading. So like you can be on the platform and you can um, trade items within the community and you can also like offer styling advice like people can post an item and like people can comment like styling advice for the item or if you make a trade like then that item its history kind of like stays within the community so it has pictures of like all the different people in the community who have worn it so it's like a forum mixed with like a trading app and I was like that is so cool um And so I think that's really cool. And they started with like slow fashion brands and then now they're, they've added a new forum um, for like maker stuff. So like homemade stuff and people can like share craft supplies and like patterns for things and stuff like that. So like I love things that have a community element. And I think that's what I loved about the renter rack too, Mm -hmm. is it's like bringing people together and stuff. Um, I think that's really cool. 
Yeah, I would totally use something like that. When um, Anna Grace, you were telling me about this rent-a-rack, I, I have so many clothes and it is not in the grand scheme of things that much of a hassle, but there is a time commitment associated with taking pictures and posting yeah. and continuing to like go to the post office for one package, you know, because like you got every day too. every because you have to get it out in a timely manner or you're dinged yeah. or whatever. There's consequences. And so if it's not your even part time gig, it's yeah. so inconvenient. So I just end up having this giant bin and then I try to do it all at once and then it never happens because I'm lazy. And so then I just have this massive bin of clothes and to be able to just like take them somewhere and have basically like a garage sale space. Like yeah. That's like one of the things I miss most about living not in the city is the mm. ability to just have a garage sale. Like, let me just sell things out of my front yard. Like, why is it that well, hard? Well, that's why I take all my old stuff to my friend has a boutique here um, where I grew up and she has new stuff, but she also has an entire consignment room. And so yeah. I always just take my stuff there because I'm like, again, the community aspect, I feel like I'm, I'm benefiting my friend and her store. And like, I always just keep the money in there as like store credit so I can just go in and get whatever I want, whatever. And like, it's crazy, like back to like, that's where you find the good stuff, these small like consignment yeah. stores. And I found like a Bottega bag for 60 bucks. And I was like, are you kidding me? Crazy. And she's like, girl, I know. <laughs> crazy yeah I know I do the same thing I'm like I I sell stuff to friends who have shops but it'd be so much easier if because it's like it's it is it's a drag to like sell things online personally like I find it to be too much and that's why I like have so much respect for like the people who do sell in this industry Mm -hmm. like how much work it is I could never um yeah, so I right. love concepts like that. And like managing your yeah. inventory, like all of those accounts that truly do just like pump through. Agreed. Respect. And a lot of people, <laughs> how do you feel about resellers? Because a lot of people have really strong feelings about what it's done to our thrifting um, retail environment. And we briefly touched on prices earlier in the episode, and that's a whole rabbit hole to go down, is how much pricing has changed in even the last year, six months. Like Inflation kept up with the thrift market. It's wild. So what's your opinion on, I guess, that entire topic? You said you had a rabbit hole to go down, so let's give you the platform. Let's hear it. Yeah, I mean, so I, I have written about this subject a lot. Um, I can send you – I don't know if you do show notes for your show, but I can send you some articles that I've had yeah, published about this to too just because I feel like it's a super nuanced topic. And I always like when people ask me for it, I'm like, ooh, am I going to cover everything? But like this is my take on it. So like there is way more clothing – in the world than we are ever going to go through and the secondhand market like simply cannot try as it might recirculate it all whether that's the secondhand market here in the United States like knowing that thrift stores can only resell about 20 percent of what comes through their door and the rest of it you know ends up making its way throughout the secondhand supply chain a lot of it ends up being um, not just landfilled, but exported and then eventually landfilled in other countries. Um, it really, it really just is like a massive problem. Um, the price thing is an interesting one because they're really when this first, when I first started writing about this idea that like resellers were driving up the price of thrift stores, I first started seeing that conversation happening online, like back in like 
2020 or so. I, I think I wrote my first piece on it at the end of 2020. And um, I, at the time, I wasn't finding a lot of evidence that the prices of thrift stores were even going up. Like there are instances where thrift stores, of course, like price um, specific items a little higher. And that's just because thrift stores are getting smarter about the inventory that they have and they're pricing them appropriately, which, you know, is a loss for us who love the the dig and the hunt. But ultimately, like these stores, you know, are there to make a profit to serve a charitable mission. Um, now, you know, of course it does seem as though like thrift store prices are going up with the rate of inflation, but like, I think people need to realize that that is more because of inflation issues, because of issues related to like the cost of rent than it is like, um, resellers going in and like driving up the price of this. It's just that there's so much stuff that there's no way for like, individual consumers to be able to drive up the price that significantly like everywhere in the country you know it just wouldn't happen on that scale and um I think the other thing that like when when I hear people getting you know upset about resellers um online like something that I always this comes up a lot in like my activism and advocacy work too is like I think it's really important for people and it's hard to do because it's like not societally like how we were brought up to think about these issues but I want people to like step back for a minute and like think about is it about what I buy or is it about like the other changes that I make because a lot of times like we've been kind of raised that like how you buy and like things like vote with your dollar like that that's the power that you have is like how you're shopping and the reality is is like you can make so much more impact in other ways like other than just simply how you're buying Mm. and so I think we get like really tied up in the idea that like our buying habits is like changing the thrift store in some sort of like radical way and like it's really not big enough to do that Mm. um I want people to like actually instead of saying like, oh, you shouldn't be in thrift stores for whatever reason, like I actually want people to like get more involved in the secondhand space, Mm. like volunteer in thrift stores or like try throwing a local clothing swap or like do some of those community aspects. And like I think that when they do that, they're going to see like there's too much clothing. Mm -hmm. We need to come up with creative solutions to recirculate it. You know, there are ways that I can help my local community by being involved. It's just that like removing resellers from thrift stores is not going to like effectively solve any of the problems that people are identifying, which is that like there's a cost of living crisis and clothing is made really bad. Like all these things are true, right. but like taking resellers out of thrift stores does not effectively solve that systemic problem that people are identifying, mm-hmm. like getting involved in community and like coming up with collective solutions together to deal with those problems. And would. yeah, and I think that exactly what you said, re- removing resellers from the stores is not going to actually change anything. The problem no. is, is that there's just too many clothes and this increase in pricing is right. Either something um, like cost of living, like 
the rent or keeping the lights on or paying people fairly, all of those things or donating to a charity um, are all super valid for those stores. And then there's like the chain stores that are just price gouging out of greed. And that's, again, not the fault of resellers. That's just corporations seeing that there is a demand for secondhand clothing. So why not profit off of it? So why not profit? off? Exactly. So like resellers are not the problem and it definitely it's honestly a greater way to get more secondhand clothing in the hands of more people because there are a lot of people who scroll the apps that would never go into a store and then they buy that Mm -hmm. stuff and then it goes back into the economy perhaps either way we're agreeing that there's too many clothes and that resellers are not the problem Yeah, absolutely. There's like a thing that we say in activism all the time. It's like you have to be focused on punching up. Mm. And so like if if you looked at this situation, like punching up would be like at the corporations that are taking advantage of this opportunity to profit at the shitty fast fashion brands. Because people will say to me all the time, all the stuff in the thrift store these days is crap. Well, that's the fault of the fast fashion brands. And that's where you need to get angry at them and start advocating for policy that's going to change how they're pumping out clothing Mm -hmm. and how it's flowing into your thrift store and that you're mad about that. You know, like those are the ways that you punch up instead of like the individual reseller who is like your neighbor, your community member. Right. We don't need a lateral punch. Also struggling. Yeah. (laughs) Operating a very, very small business in the grand scheme of things like is not, that is not your enemy. Um, Yeah. You know, there was, there was a, this, um, I'm going to like botch the actual numbers, but you know, recently when this like blew up online, everyone was upset that this girl had like thrifted a leather jacket and then she like resold it online for like 75 People love to get upset about those. Yeah. And they were like, oh my God, the price gouging, the price gouging. And it's like the the example that I put out is like, okay, so the CEO of Boohoo, for example, his garment workers are sewing clothes for like cents. And this person is a billionaire. And this year, this person is up for a 200% of his salary bonus. Like you want to talk about like price gouging, you know, and people making an unfair percentage off of a piece of clothing. Like that's where you need to be punching up because, um, yeah, like there are big problems within the fashion industry, but it's like, it's, it's not a girl reselling a leather jacket after she, it's not a girl reselling a leather jacket. After she took the time to find it and clean it and then ship it out to you. Like, yeah. Yeah. Hours to like clean and restore something. People don't realize or in researching, like that's when I ever, someone asked me about like a curated vintage store. Like what's the difference between that and like Mm -hmm. a Goodwill or a church store like we were talking about. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, it can take hours to mend and repair and research and apply shampoo and conditioner to leathers Mm -hmm. like three times or things smell and it takes like days or weeks to like air it out and then that's impacting your inventory as a seller yeah all these things that people aren't aware of but I think this is a really great segue into your advocacy work what exactly are you involved with I saw that you had remake world uh, remake fashion tagged in your Instagram and that's an account that I've followed for a long time and I had no idea that you were a part of that I'm guessing 
Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm the director of community engagement at Remake. And so I do community organizing work. So basically helping advocates around the world link arms and figure out how to make change in their own grassroots community. So that's like why I get so passionate about these issues, right? Where I'm like, go volunteer in your local thrift store. Like you will see that you can make a difference. Like this is what I am about. Um, Because I do think that it really is how we affect change. And, you know, not to get overly political, but, um, you know, it is a strategy of the very, very wealthy people who profit off of these broken fashion systems to keep regular people like divided, like to keep us fighting against each other about the reseller really selling the yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah, to keep us laterally punching because it's like that's how they continue to just be like sitting at the top, right. like living their life without us going after them, you right. know. And so, like, I always find myself being like, let's like we are like we are powerful when we community organize like they that's what we have Mm -hmm. they have money but we have like each other Mm -hmm. and we have collective power and so yeah with remake um it's community organizing work you know supporting our policy efforts our campaigning work and um Supporting our base of volunteers so that they can do community programming in their own spaces so they feel comfortable talking about these topics, you know, with their friends and family at their school, bringing it up at their workplace, whatever it is that they need to make a difference, um, supporting them to be able to do that. Is that your full-time job? Yeah. So I do remake and pre-love podcasts. That's me. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's the best of both worlds because right, it remake like is it. like we talked about at the beginning how like I was so passionate about like the labor side of yeah. things. Remake is this wonderful organization that always looks at both the intersections of labor and climate. Like they're not just I'm I'm passionate about stopping the climate emergency, obviously, but they come at it through like a human lens and like through a worker lens mm-hmm. and they talk about how we have to pay people a living wage in order to slow down the fashion system in order to stop climate change like these things are all linked and that matters to me um it feels that- very tangible like it feels like real action yeah Yeah, like we can change real people's lives in remaking the fashion Mm -hmm. industry. Um, You know, Remake uh, was part of the coalition that was fighting for the Garment Worker Protection Act in the state of California. And when that bill passed into law and when it became affected into law at the beginning of 2022, Garment workers in California, their wages went from on average two to five dollars an hour to above fifteen dollars an hour. That's tripling their wages, like in the matter of a law passing into effect. And like that's that real. Chills. That's so cool. That's like families. Yeah, yeah, like real families. Like ma- And again, like I go back to my grandma's story, you know, and it's like thinking of like moms with kids you know, even young women, like people younger than me, and then like moms with families, and that that's their real lives that can be impacted by changing a law. And so I would rather focus on like, how can we do stuff like that together that's really powerful than like, I'm not as much focused on being like, shop there, don't shop there, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because we're, I'm taking away this like, punch up 
um, idea. Like that's take it away. Yeah. I love it. That's my mission. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like a huge unlock. Cause right, like to try to place the blame, like shop here, shop there, like whatever. That's yeah. that's so um, alienating. Right, like it it divides people. Like you were saying. It is, you know, and, and people will always say things like, I can't, I can't afford this or I can't find this, uh, you know, to, to fit my body, you know, plus sizes and things like that. And it's like, those are like, like, I empathize like that is a, a you know, a problem. And like, I want the system to be better for you and I want it to be better for everyone. And so like, I'm not really focused about telling you where you should be buying or, you know, mm-hmm. any of that. I want to like change the system so that all of us have better because we deserve better than it is. Quick shout out. We did have the owners of the Plus Bus, which is a store in LA that specializes in secondhand plus size women's fashion. And they are really, really wanting to expand across the US. So go listen to the episode, go support them so that they can continue to bring secondhand plus size clothing across the US. So cool. I had them back on my show way back in the day and it's so cool to hear that they are hoping to expand because like I want to see a plus bus everywhere it would help that's cool you have them on too yeah oh my god it was years ago now at this point like I'm like was that even pre-pandemic it's it's wild to me like how time has gone time is not real anymore they're so great it's all fake time is not real Mm -mm. and I could go down that rabbit hole so instead of doing that let's move into our personal style corner of our episode where we basically just rapid fire questions at you to get to know your personal style before we take a peek at your outfits so let's jump right into that so quick first question how would you describe your personal style Okay, so I have recently started subscribing to the Allison Bornstein three words yes, to describe your favorite. style method. It's our favorite. <laughs> so this just makes it the easiest to describe it. So my three words are retro, um, retro, western, and then like I always kind of say like bookish mm. or something like that, like academic, professorial, yeah. academic. Yeah, yeah, like those are my three words. I love that. I have a little essence of that in every bit of my outfit. And honestly, those words all call to mind something for me. Like, I feel like I can imagine exactly what you're putting together with that. So I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Do you have a style icon? Um, Alexa Chung. Mm. Yeah. I, le- I mean, I grew up in that, like, the first go around of yeah. indie sleeves. We, like, didn't call it indie sleeves then. But, like, I was a baby hipster in the 2010s, yep. Tumblr girly. So I love, like, Alexa Chung. Like, I love now, like, Camille Rowe, um, Harry Styles. Like, all of those kind of have aspects of, like, what I love about style in there. Yeah. I love it. So do you have a favorite designer? And – Given your philosophies, it's fair to not have a favorite, but is there anybody that you would shout out that perhaps does align? That's a really good question. I think there are some really cool like designers that are doing interesting things with sustainability. Like if we're talking like on the runways, um, you know, I'd love to see, for example, like what Colin Estrada is mm-hmm. doing, though they're not um like particularly the style that I dress in, I just always find it really, like really fascinating to see what they're doing. Um, 
I personally relate a lot to Baudet's style. Um, I just love it's very vintage inspired, you know, and has a lot of those elements of Americana or Western wear or things like that. I love that. Um, love looking back at uh, past Gucci collections for that vintage inspiration, you know, what like what era of Gucci are we talking? What years? I'll like I'll look at like literally like any era, but I mean I love um, Alessandro Michele what he did with Gucci. Like I love that like quirky vintage inspired mm-hmm. like ties in with Harry Styles. Yeah, it ties in with Harry Styles. Like those are the elements of things that I love about style. Like that weird like kind of a little bit bookish, yeah. like kind of a little bit nerdy aspect to it, or the Western wear. You know he'll do that. Like I think yeah. of that show that they did in L.A. Um, and all of them were wearing cowboy boots, you know, oh, yeah, and stuff they, like, like that. Hollywood Boulevard. That yeah, one. yeah. Yeah. That show. And so it's like, I look a lot. I actually do like, uh, look a ton at what designers are doing because I think it's so interesting to be like, Ooh, that's got a vintage fashion inspiration mm-hmm. or, Ooh, you know, like it sparks all these things for me of like, what were they inspired by? And it's always vintage. So it's always fun to see Every- also good style inspiration. Even Absolutely. if you only shop secondhand, like especially Alessandro Michele Gucci, yeah. like so <laughs> many layers, you can get a lot of good inspo of how to take things from your own closet and wear it in ways you would never imagine. And it gives you things to look for because like, you you know, it's like I can go with an image and I can go try to find those things. And I love doing something like that. Is there any trend that you participated in the past that now gives you the ick and you're like, oh, why did I do that? Oof, that's such a good question. Um, so I, the funny thing is, is like, if you go back in my style, I was like, I was not very into style growing up. Like I mentioned, like I was, I was a soccer kid. I like wore my Adidas Sambas, but not because they were cool, just because I like could not be bothered to put on any different shoes. Um, I, I went through, you know, the like Hollister American Eagle phase that we all went through in the 2000s. And looking back on that, I'm like, I feel like that was not very me at Mm -hmm. all. Um, That was very like, you know, the mall culture that we grew up with in that era. Um, Yeah, so probably that. But then it's also like sometimes when I do think about that, I'm like, I can actually see kind of little bits of that in my personal style now Mm -hmm. because in the summer, I really do like to do like a little bit beachy type stuff. Like I got like a little puka shell necklace from the thrift store the other day. And I was like, that'll be really fun like this summer. So there are like those aspects of like 2000 style. I'm like, oh, I could play with that again. Like we'll see how it goes. I never had like a Y2K um, like you know, like classic what people think of as like Y2K or Mick Bling. Like I never had that era. I was never cool enough. Mm -hmm. I was like way too (laughs) tomboyish and stuff. I never had that era. I feel like the Y2K just goes so well with summertime. Like the way we idolized like the OC Laguna Beach, like Hillary Duff, like the whole yes. thing. It was amazing. That aspect of Y2K, I'm like, I did do that. I, I did that hard and it didn't feel very me to like have done it from like the mall brands. Yeah. But looking back, I'm like, I actually don't hate that vibe. Yeah. Like that feels very laid it's back. It's so laid back. I could back. go for that again. Yeah. And it's so chill. Yeah. I have a hard time when I'm at, I said, I have a hard time when I'm at a thrift store and I see something like 
Hollister Abercrombie from that era just because like that was so cool when I was growing up and like that was like when I was in middle school so I definitely like did Mm -hmm. not have the funds like I had a few shirts from here or there never from Abercrombie because that was the most expensive of the bunch but like now I have a hard time like passing up on it when I see it in a thrift store because it like sparks that inner child (laughs) yeah you're like I can reward you with this now (laughs) yeah and I was also like a really big fan of Lauren Conrad for Kohl's like Kohl's was the place to be shopping with my mom right with Kohl's cash like yes please and I feel like too Kohl's also really ingrained the um, love of a deal in me Mm-hmm. Yeah, also Avril Lavigne Dawn her line there oh my god all of the little nostalgia sparks are going <laughs> off for me all right last question is you have to choose one outfit to wear for the rest of eternity what is your outfit okay so I am gonna be in probably a pair of my Stan Ray painter pants because they're comfy. They're like jeans, but they're comfier than jeans. And probably my black ones because um, they're – I got them dead stack from an awesome um, studio in New York. They're called The Consistency Project, and they do like custom – They will, they'll size you in, in-house for vintage denim, pant, like carpenter pants, cargo pants, whatever you want. They'll size you, find what they have in their inventory – and then they'll tailor it to you. So these have cool. been like tailored to me. And um, they like over dyed them black. So they've been dyed so many times that they're like really, really soft, oh, which is nice. Yeah. You know, they're like not like stiff stand up jeans. So like those for sure. And then a vintage T-shirt. Probably going to have to be one that's got like a sentimental value to it. So for me, I have a like 70s like classic ringer tea and it's um Casey Rock Radio like the St. Louis FM classic yeah. radio and that's the one with my, the red funny dog or something the, yeah. yeah yeah so it's got a red dog but the funny thing about it is like so in the late 70s it was only for a couple years in the late 70s i believe um, the Casey Rock Radio dog was actually smoking a joint mm. in the logo and then Stop. they had to be like no, he can't smoke the joint anymore. And there's a great picture of my dad that I have seen, like, of him wearing that T-shirt way back in the day, like, that version of it. And I he didn't have the T-shirt. It. Like, I've never had the T-shirt, but it's always been, like, I'm going to find some vintage seller I know in St. Louis is going to have that one mm-hmm. and recently tracked it down. So I have that. Yes. <laughs> so that that T-shirt probably, because it is, like, a 70s soft worn in. You know how they're, like, the best yeah. T-shirts. And then it's got that sentimental value to it, and it's a good conversation starter. And then probably, like, I don't know, like a vintage jacket of some sort, maybe like a great vintage leather, one of my vintage leather jackets, or like a vintage blazer. Um, That'd be my go-to look, I think. I love it. I love it. So that brings us to our outfit portion of the episode and all of Emily's images will be on our Instagram at Verve Podcast and that will be linked in the show notes for you. So Emily, take us away on your first outfit about what you wore, why you wore it, any cool stories, what you did in it. Just walk us through. Okay, so my first outfit here, I'm wearing a vintage suede jacket um, that I got from Bozeman Vintage in Montana. My good friend was living in Montana, and I went to visit her and got this awesome 
like very 70s dagger collar suede jacket um vintage t-shirt which is from found and formed um the vintage shop here in town my trousers are two and they're like 70s men's high-waisted plaid trousers which I find to be very hard to find so when I find Mm. a pair that I love it's like this is forever and then I'm wearing like kind of westerny accessories um like dangly silver and turquoise earrings that I actually got when I was vintage shopping in London surprisingly but I thought that they went really nicely with the kind of westerny suede jacket um, and yeah, this is a very like go-to, like my like dream outfit or whatever. For me, it's like, you know, I love a vintage t-shirt and a cool jacket. Like that's a fave for me for sure. I see every you one of to- your I see every <laughs> one of your three words in this outfit. Oh yay, that's so good. <laughs> Do you have to get the men's trousers tailored? So sometimes, yeah. So a lot of times um, I'll have to have them hemmed. I'm only like five foot three. So I often have to have a lot of things hemmed. And then sometimes I'll have them taken in in the waist a little bit. Like they'll fit in like the thighs and the hips. That's like the part that I have to make sure fits because that's like the widest part of me. And then if it fits there, then I'm like, I'm willing to take in everything else to fit me. Yeah. But, you know, I've kind of come to peace with that because, like, I was thinking about growing up, you know, I was so lucky. My grandma was a really talented um, seamstress, and she literally, like, altered everything that I wore for me. And so I'm just like, that's just part of it. Like, I'm so willing Mm. to, like, have things taken and to fit me. It makes it easier having pants especially. Like, it's always so hard to hunt for pants. Yep. Oh. You're also wearing glasses that I believe the same pair you're wearing right now. Oh, yeah. My aviators. Are they? They're not vintage, actually. Um, I cannot remember for the life of me if these are – they might be like Warby's, something like that, like where it's like a – you know, order online type Mm -hmm. situation, Mm -hmm. but they're kind of my like go-to, like the aviators, I feel like is a very like fun vintage look. I feel like it's probably like 70s, 80s type feel. Totally. Um, But yeah, they are my go-to faves. They definitely give you a lot of character. Thank you. (laughs) All right. So next outfit. Next outfit. Okay, so this is my um, vintage men's suit. Yeah, And this was a- This was a fun one. Like this, I didn't even have to have tailored at all, which was so surprising to me that it just like fit me off the rack from Goodwill like that. Meant to be. Um, So I wanted like to do kind of like a street style suit. So I wanted the pants to fit and then I wanted the jacket to be kind of oversized slouchy. So it felt very street style. So that's the suit. And then I have a vintage uh, like ringer tee. Again, I love a ringer tee. And it's um, it's PBR, which I love. Like a, that's to me is like a nod to my like baby hipster, hipster days. 2010 days. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I drank and- a lot of bad PBR when I was a freshman because I thought yes. it was so cool. <laughs> yes. And so like that was me. Like that was that was who I was. So that is a nod to that. And then I got the Sambas um, that I got a Goodwill uh, new in the box. Um, so I love that. 
I love the Sambas with the suit. That's a really like cool pairing. Thank you. Yeah, I I thought it would look fun to do like very street style um, to do the suit, but very street. I mean, I just work here in my house. So I'm like, where am I wearing this suit yeah. to, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, just, you know, for fun looks. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Okay. So then my next look is this one with my Granny Square sweater, sweater vest. Yeah. So this is Professor Emily. For this, I was actually giving a guest lecture to some college students. Oh, cool. um, so this was for that vibes. And it's um, a thrifted, just like men's dress shirt and um, dress plaid pants. The plaid pants are um, vintage Liz Claiborne, which is like I love to find Liz Claiborne stuff at the thrift store. Like, I just think it's so, it's one of those labels that I look for. And I'm like, oh, yeah, everything's so it's good. It's going to be great. Yeah. We love it. And then the sweater vest is my friend Allison. Her brand is Atomic Tangerine, and she takes vintage blankets and reworks them into clothing. And so she worked this reworked this into a crochet vest for me and she actually like custom fitted it to me and everything which was really cool and I just love this piece so much and then I'm wearing a vintage corduroy blazer on top that I got from Beyond Retro when I was in London Um, that's that one yep I love that you went to go it's your academic look and you went to go teach or speak to students in it (laughs) I'm like I want to be your favorite professor. That's yes. like who I want to the be in life. Profe- the cool professor, the that's one that you want to hang out with. Yeah, exactly. That's who that I was like a be big TikTok life. trend recently too. Like really, wonder if I was a professor. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, that that's the huge nerd in me is like I want to be that's what I aspire to be um okay so then this next look I'm wearing um my vintage military pants these are the comfiest pants in the entire world um they're the type of pant that it is is um OG 107 army pants and they're the OG is like olive green and then um, they're the pants that were worn like in the Vietnam era. Oh wow, and cool. They're the comfiest, comfiest like cotton, so soft. Just like you'll never find a softer pair of pants. I would rather wear these than sweatpants. Um and so I got those from a vintage shop in Michigan. And then um just like a little thermal that I got from Rossins, which is a vintage seller on Etsy, little vintage scarf and a beret. I do a lot of like, um, I love a beret. Love a beret. I do a lot of like a beret with um, like Western accessories. And mm-hmm. it's my like kind of take on like a Wes Anderson girl <laughs> kind of vibe. Very baby hipster <laughs> of you in yes, 2023. Yes. yes. <laughs> Yeah. And then I'm wearing with this outfit. So um, I have my Doc Martin Mary Janes that I got pre-loved on Poshmark because like I said, that's my go-to when I want like a brand name something. I always just like look. I got to see if it's on the secondhand market first because it usually is. Mm-hmm. So I got those. And then also breaking in Doc Martens is like the worst thing yeah, ever. Yeah. Why so would I break them in win. when someone else has done it? I've bought two pairs of Docs on Poshmark for that exact reason. Yeah. It's so much better. And then um, I'm wearing like red socks because I saw red all over the runways um, this season. And I think it seeped into my brain. And I really <laughs> I think it's the Gucci thing in me that I really love red and green together. So I'm wearing it with red socks here. Yeah. So that's that look. 
Um, I think this is my then... favorite look of yours. So this is the the one that I sent you that's like a video, isn't it? Um, oh, yeah. I meant the yeah. beret one. I have not The beret yet. one. Um, let's assess yeah. this dress. Okay. Where is it from? So this look, I, I um, thrifted the dress, and I think it's like a anthropology or something dress. It's kind of just like a Good floral, vintagey like dress that I found at the thrift store. But then my favorite thing about it is the jacket. I love um, this like vintage, I call it fish scale leather jacket. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to, to call it. Um, yeah. But it's like it's got like patchwork leather on it. And I became like so obsessed with these because when I was at Manhattan Vintage reporting on it in the fall, I was seeing these everywhere. And like so many vintage sellers were talking to me about this. And then after I left that show, then like very soon after that, the Harry Styles Gucci Ha 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 collection came out and it had one of those jackets in it. Obviously not vintage, but it had like a patchwork leather jacket like that in it. And then... The Taylor Swift anti-hero music video came out and it's kind of 70s vibes and it had one of those jackets in there. And so I was like, this is becoming a moment. Like these jackets are everywhere. I have to have one. You're so (laughs) validated. It was one where I was like tracking it down, tracking it down, tracking it down. Um, And um, my very, very sweet mother-in-law told me, you know, it's very, you know, you love vintage and like it can be kind of hard to to shop for you. So I want you to pick out something that you really love and let me get that for you for Christmas. And so she she got that for me for Christmas this year. And I love it so, so much. I'm like so glad that I have it. Um, So, yeah, that's that's that. Look, I think that's all all my five. Yeah. Yep. I think so. You had great variety, but also you can see your thread of personal style throughout. Thank you. Thank you. It's, um, yeah, I I feel like on the surface, maybe those words don't feel like they, like, would make sense in a collective. But I'm like, I try to make it make, you know, to have a cohesion to it. <laughs> and that's what keeps it interesting. Thank you. All right. Well, Go ahead, Anna Grace. I'm sorry. Well, Emily, where can the people find you? Plug yourself up. Absolutely. So you can find me across the internet. My handle is at Emily M. Stokel. So E-M-I-L-Y-M-S-T-O-C-H-L. And then my show is Preloved Podcast. You can find Preloved Podcast wherever you are listening to this podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so I've got uh, weekly interviews with folks who love vintage and secondhand um, coming out on the regular. And you might hear us on there sometimes. You soon, might so hear out. some familiar voices on there very, very soon. <laughs> well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on. We're very excited to come on to your show. And it always feels great to make a new friend in the secondhand fashion lover space, but also now in the podcasting space. I love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's always a funny experience to be on the other side of the podcast mic, um, but you guys made it so fun and can't wait to have you on Preload Podcast. So with that, we'll talk to everybody next week. Bye. Bye. Verve is the only source for everything fashion on the internet. If you've been inspired to get dressed up for yourself this week, tag us to be featured on our Instagram at Verve Podcast. 
make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Katie Gassman and at Anna Grace Averitt. Links are in the show notes. This podcast is written and produced by Katie Gassman and Anna Grace Averitt. Edited by Katie Gassman. Creative direction by Anna Grace Averitt. This has been a Three Beverage Media production.